evening, everybody. Welcome to you. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. It's good to see you. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. If you're joining us online this morning uh, or anytime, uh, God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this worship service. We are both online now and in person. We're longing for the day when everything is just back in person, face-to-face all the time, and we're moving in that direction. If you're a Woodburn Church family member, then uh, be watching your email if you haven't already seen it. We have an important announcement coming out this week, and you should have already seen it if it's Sunday for you. Uh, we are, uh, have started the 8 o'clock worship service. We're now in person on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and then 11 o'clock. The, the little bit of a change that you need to take note of is that the services are slightly different in terms of uh, distancing and mask wearing. The, the 8 o'clock service is still going to be socially distant, but we're going to be a little more relaxed in the mask requirements. The 11 o'clock service, however, is mask mandatory. Everybody at 11 will wear the mask and keep the mask on. We're doing that so that people can know exactly what kind of environment they're coming into and, and, and be comfortable with what they're walking into. So that's why we're doing it this way. 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11 o'clock in person. So certainly, certainly in one of those environments, you can be at home and, and at ease in God's house. Some of you I know are, are highly at risk, and you need to continue worshiping with us online, and that is exactly why we provide this for you. You are faithful as well. You're part of this church as well, and uh, you continue to worship at home as long as you need to. But for all of the rest of you who took your kids to the pool all summer long, you can bring yourselves right on back in here now, okay? It's time to come back to church, and I'm happy to welcome you back. There are other programs starting back up. We're really trying to get everything back up. It's hard to start several things simultaneously, so that's why we kind of bring in one thing and then bring in another thing. It's taken us a while, but we are getting there. So uh, Sunday morning worship in in person. Uh, Feel free to join us here. Open your Bibles to the book of Philippians tonight. The book of Philippians, chapter 4. Not in a series right now. For the next several weeks, I just want to take you to some important texts, uh, Bible passages, and just preach what God has laid on my heart for you as a church family. So just uh, enjoy these these standalone weeks with me. I am starting a new series in November uh, on the gospel and race entitled One Blood. Uh, And so pray for me as I'm uh, finishing up that series in preparation even now. That's going to be an important one for all of us. Also in other news, uh, I finally got the final report. After five years, I am still cancer-free. And I'm excited. Five years away. um, Oh, gosh. You know, when, when you hear the word cancer, it becomes difficult in moments to even try to dream five years away because you don't even know if you'll see five years. And, and to just understand uh, what God has done for me uh, is an incredible blessing. I'm praying for many of you who likewise pray for the same kind of blessing. God bless you. Uh, which brings us to our scripture tonight, Philippians chapter 4. Tonight, I really want to focus on one verse, although focusing on this one verse Uh, on its own is probably what's got us into trouble. I I want us to look at what I believe is probably the most misquoted, misunderstood verse in in all of the scripture. I mean, this is a verse that people know. It's a verse that people love. For some people, this is the verse for their whole lives. 
Uh, but honestly, it's a verse that is often really, really misunderstood. Uh, the verse is Philippians 4.13. Can you help me out on the screens back there, somebody? Uh, help me get to the, the, to the verse. There we are. Now back one up. Here we go. Philippians 4.13. It's a very familiar verse to many folks, and it simply says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Man, we love this verse. What's not to love? Everybody loves this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Some of you have this verse memorized. Some of you have this verse written in a pen to your mirror every morning. So this is what you look at. I can do all things. Some of you have it tattooed across your chest. Uh, I believe it's Evander Holyfield, uh, you know, the, the, the former boxer, heavyweight, who had it emblazoned on his robe on the night he stepped into the ring with Mike Tyson. Remember that? Because that's the night Mike Tyson bit his ear off. Even so, Evander Holyfield loved this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What's not to love? Everybody loves this verse. So just imagine how much you might love it if you really understood what it means. So let's take a look at what this verse means. Philippians chapter four, in order to understand what it means, let's take a look at the context. It's not just one verse that God gave us on a coffee mug. This is a verse that comes to us in a letter written by the apostle Paul to the church at Philippi. And in this section of the letter, he says what he says in Philippians 4.13. But let's go back to Philippians 4 verse 10 and read from there. This is Paul speaking, and this is what he says. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. Now remember, he's writing to a church that he knows very, very well. This is a church that he loves, and they love him. And so it's a personal letter. I know it's a book in the Bible, but it's a personal letter. He's talking to people that he knows and loves. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent help more than once. I don't say this because I want a gift from you now. Rather, I want you to receive a reward for your kindness. At the moment, I have all I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I've Always love that verse. What's not to love? I can do all things. One of my spiritual fathers was a, a great man, a great Baptist theologian. His name was William Hendricks. Uh, when I was in doctoral studies, I was his graduate assistant. It was an honor to learn under and serve under this man. He was a great man of God. 
During this time when I was his graduate assistant, we once took a group of students to New York City uh, for a, a class in faith in the arts. It was wonderful. And Dr. Hendricks was a great guide on, on that trip. He was probably at that time, I don't know, Rod, we think late 70s, um, 1,000 years old. I, mean, I don't know. He's, he sometimes seemed older than he was. He's with the Lord now. God bless his soul. But Dr. Hendricks was up in years and, and in failing health, but determined, just determined to, uh, to, to lead this trip and to do what he loved to do. Uh, we had taken a group of students at night down to, uh, uh, down to Broadway to, to, to see a show. And at the end of that uh, theater production, we were walking back to the place where we were spending the night. The students were all young and they were way ahead of us. I hung back with Dr. Hendricks just out of respect because he was moving very, very slowly. At that time, he had advanced diabetes. He was losing his eyesight and his legs would get very weak. And so we were walking back kind of in a hurry because it's New York at night, y'all. I mean, I wasn't just going to stand around, you know. So I was kind of keeping, you know, the old man moving down the, the street. And suddenly, Dr. Hendricks just said, Mr. he called me Mr. Harris. He said, Mr. Harris, uh, I can't do it. I cannot continue. I need to sit down. And, and so we found a place, and, and he sat down. And I'm thinking, how long are you going to sit? <laughs> you know, we've got students who are trying to get into the, you know, to the building, and you and I are back here. And he just said, I, I just need to rest. I, I, I can't do it. And then Dr. Hendricks said, Mr. Harris, uh, I have had a verse for my whole life that has always brought me great encouragement. It's Philippians 4.13. I said, I know that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Dr. Henry said, yes, Mr. Harris, that's the verse. But then he said, with age and with weakness, my understanding of that verse has gotten deeper. I said, you know, really, Dr. Hendricks, what, what does the verse mean to you? Dr. Hendricks said, Mr. Harris, I have learned that what the scripture is saying is I can do all things that I can do through Christ who gives me strength. Now I'm thinking in my head, that sounds lamer. I mean, that just sounds lamer. When you add the words, all things that I can do, all of a sudden, you put limits. Now, I didn't tell Dr. Hendricks, my mentor, you know, that sounds lamer. You know, I didn't say that. I just said, Dr. Hendricks, it sounds to me like you're putting limitations on Christ. You, you know what I mean? When you say I can do all things that I can do, all of a sudden, you're sort of focused on your limitations. And so it sounds like my mentor, my spiritual father, was putting limitations on Christ. And Dr. Hendricks said to me, Mr. Harris, you don't understand the verse. Well, I can promise you I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one at all. As I say, very popular verse, very loved verse. This verse has been imprinted on more Jesus yo-yos and T-shirts and coffee mugs and Mother's Day calendars. I mean, this verse is everywhere. People love this verse. Olympic athletes will have this verse tattooed on their bodies. I mean, people are serious about this verse. Who doesn't want this verse as their life verse? I can do all things. Who doesn't want some of that? Who doesn't want to be told that? You can do all things, anything. You can do it. Christ will make you able to do it. I mean, that's just fantastic. I want a whole lot of that. And apparently I'm not the only one. 
However, understand, the fact that we know the verse and get excited about the verse doesn't mean we understand this verse. Just to kind of highlight the misunderstanding, I want to refer you today to a statement on this verse from our buddy Joel Osteen, okay? This is from Joel Osteen, and he's talking about Philippians 4.13. And I'm using this as an example of how we often misunderstand the verse. So stay with me, you ready? Joel Osteen, most people tend to magnify their limitations, They focus on their shortcomings, but Scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It's possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb to new heights. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that if God said you can, you can. Now you're confused because you like that. What's not to like? I mean, honestly, it's one of the reasons Joel Osteen is so popular. I mean, that sounds fantastic right there. And you're saying, Pastor Tim, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't understand the misunderstanding. Well, let's just sort of take a look at what uh, Pastor Osteen is saying. Scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. Scripture does say that. That's right. It is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. Notice where the focus is. You understand? Your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will all take place. You may not have a plan. But all you have to know is that if God said you can, you can. There's a lot in what he says that you can like. The problem is how quickly we begin to think that God wants for us everything we want for ourselves. The the problem is when you begin to think that God's sole purpose is to help you fulfill your dreams. That Honestly, the sad thing is that you really believe that the biggest dream for your life comes out of your own skull, and you have no idea. Maybe God's primary concern is not that you get your dreams fulfilled, and it just might be that this climbing to new heights, we're not altogether sure that you're climbing in the direction that God has for you. The fact that you're on a climb doesn't necessarily mean that you're climbing after what God is offering you. You with me? The idea that you want to embrace your destiny. How much prayer have you put into this destiny? Do you really know? Have you gotten a word from God? Do you understand that what you're chasing after is actually something that Christ has for you? I agree. If God said, I can, I can. The problem is I I often just want to believe that God's going to say yes for everything I want. I can do all things. What does that actually mean? I don't really think that this is some sort of incantation for personal success. I I, I know, I I know, I know. When when Joel Osteen says, you can climb to new heights, you're thinking, that's it, that's it. I could be a ballerina. 
You can have your dreams fulfilled. Yes, that's it. That's it. I want to be a professional golfer. Overcome every obstacle. That's right. That's right. I'm on a diet and I really, really want to eat this whole jar of mayonnaise. But, but no, I can do all things through Christ. You understand how this works? Embrace your destiny. That's right. I can bench press a truck. I can score a hole in one. I can take a cheerleader to the prom. I mean, you see how quickly we just simply begin to use this verse and thoughts like this to tell ourselves that we can have everything we want. That if we want it, God wants us to have it. That if we want to do it, that Christ is going to come right behind and make sure we get to do it. That's why everybody loves the verse Philippians 4.13 when they're standing in the batter's box because you want to hit a home run. And you're standing there and you tell yourself, I can do all things, right? I mean, you, you love that. You love that thought. So whatever situation you're in, whenever you, you find yourself facing a, a challenge, whenever you find yourself really, really wanting to accomplish something, you pull this verse out of your back pocket. I can do all things. It's like a mantra. And it feels magnificent to say that. And then to attach Jesus' name. As if all you've got to do is dream it, all you've got to do is want it, embrace it, and Jesus is just going to give it to you. I don't think that's what Philippians 4.13 is saying. Because Philippians 4.13 doesn't come to us engraved on a gold medal. It doesn't come to us emblazoned across a royal robe. Philippians 4.13 comes to us as words in the middle of other words written in an ordinary letter from a man in prison. Paul's in prison. And Paul is talking about his difficulties with people who love him and have been known to help him in his times of difficulty. This is where the verse is coming from. And of all things, understand in verse 11, Paul tells us something very, very important. He says, I have learned. It's something that he's learned. And it's really important. This is the point of this section of the letter. Paul's wanting to talk about something that he's learned. And Philippians 4.13 falls underneath this category of what he's learned. I've learned something. He's learned it. That means he wasn't born knowing it. It means it's not something he knew at the front end of his life. It's something that he learned from his life. You with me? Because that's how we learn things. And so Paul says, I have learned something. And the something that he has learned is this very, very important word, contentment. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Isn't that amazing? So this is where the verse comes from. Paul says, I've learned something. And he doesn't say, what I've learned is I can have anything I want because Jesus will make sure I get it. Paul doesn't say that. He's writing from prison. He'd probably like a pepperoni pizza and a, and a way out of jail. Not that I was ever in need, for, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. 
whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. He's talking about contentment. So, what is contentment? This is another thing that we often just misunderstand. For a lot of us, we imagine that contentment is somehow um, numbness to suffering. In other words, you can be in a bad situation, but it won't affect you. You're numb to suffering. It's sort of mind over misery. You're like David Blaine. I know David Blaine. He's, he's the close-up magician. This guy's amazing. David Blaine can hypnotize himself so he doesn't feel pain, so he can drive an ice pick through his arm. Doesn't even register pain. He can take a needle and thread and sew his own lips shut. David Blaine can swallow a live frog that is the size of a small dog. It's on YouTube, so it's got to be real. He can swallow a live frog, let it sit down there for an hour, and then spit it back up and it's still alive. You know how he does it? He drinks a gallon of water. So he makes his belly an aquarium. So that frog just sort of sits in there, and then somehow he brings it back up. Understand, he has trained his mind so that he is absolutely above pain. He's a guy that can, you know, sit in a block of ice for like two weeks. Doesn't even have to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's like mind over bladder, too. I mean, it's this amazing ability. He's taught himself how to walk across hot coals. He's trained his mind. Not to register pain. And some of us think it's like that. We're stoic. So no matter what happens, we just don't complain. We don't whine. We don't whimper. We do not bend to the pain. And you're thinking this is what Paul's talking about. I don't think this is what Paul's talking about at all. I don't believe that contentment is numbness to suffering. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think Paul probably feels the pain. I think Paul talks about that. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I only boast in weakness. And then Paul will give you a long, long list of all the pain he suffered. I have a feeling that numbness is not something that we're striving for in the Christian life. Contentment is not numbness to suffering. It's also not learning to like everything that's happening in your life. Because that's what some people do. It's like the praise the Lord anyhow people. They're like whatever happens, it's horrible. Like you got cramps and horrible diarrhea and somehow you're telling yourself it's not so bad. You're just going to learn to like it. Everything that happens in life, you're just going to learn to like it. I don't think this is what contentment is at all. I don't think that this is what Paul is saying. There are going to be things in your life that you will suffer and you're not going to like it. You will go through cancer and you will go through chemotherapy and you're not going to like feeling nauseous. You're not. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, your daughter is going to choose the wrong path, and you're not going to enjoy watching her life fall apart. You're not going to enjoy that. You'll lose your job, and you're not going to enjoy also losing your house. Do you understand? Contentment is not just learning to like everything. That's not what Paul is talking about. That's not what contentment is. And contentment is not settling for things that are less than what they ought to be. That's not what we're talking about either. There are things in your life that you cannot settle for. You cannot accept them as just like what they ought to be. For example, if your teenager brings home an F in algebra, contentment is not going to be your answer. You with me? 
there are certain things that simply ought not be. And Paul's not talking about settling for these things. Just a few verses above Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, you know, I'm striving, I'm pressing on. Understand? It's not necessarily just satisfied and settled for how things are. That's not what contentment is. I have learned, verse 11, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What is contentment? Contentment is knowing, knowing that Christ will sustain you in all circumstances. Contentment is just knowing that Christ is sufficient and and you have Christ and Christ is in you and Christ is with you. And that means whatever situation you face, he is enough. He is with you. He provides for you. He is your source. Do you understand? Contentment is knowing that Christ will sustain you. Whatever happens, full stomach, empty stomach. Misery, happiness, good day, bad day, sick day, healthy day. Do you understand? Pandemic, lockdown, free as a bird on the beach. It doesn't matter. Christ will sustain me. Christ will sustain me. I know nothing about most anything. I know nothing about cars. Now, Warren Weeks, uh, God sent Warren to our church just so that I could have somebody to call. I mean, Warren can fix anything, do anything. I mean, if your car's broke, if you're on the side of the road right now, Warren Weeks is my guy. He just knows it. He can open the hood and just boom. Man, I'm telling you, if the key won't do it, I'm st- I mean, I'm stuck. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm just less than worthless. I mean, I just am. If a light comes on, I mean, I, I get so frustrated. You know, I, I, I would, if, if you catch me with my car, you like having trouble, I'd sell it to you for a nickel. I mean, I'm just done with it. I can't do anything. In those situations when my car is, is, is broken down, uh, I cannot be content. I mean, I, mean, I can't. I, I'm in over my head. I feel stupid. I feel anxious. My son one night called me from the side of the road with car trouble. You know, it's like the worst feeling in the world. I'm like, kid, I'm so sorry I'm your dad. Like, you know, you should know, you know, by now, why are you calling me? I mean, you know, this is why I gave you a AAA card. Just call triple AAA. I mean, you know, I, I can't help him. And I hate those situations. I hate my car when it's not running because I am not sufficient. But you know what? Every now and then my son will call and say, Dad, I got this question about the New Testament. And I'm like, bring it on. Bring it on. My son called me last week with questions about church stuff. Man, I'm, I, I couldn't keep him on the phone long enough. Ask me more. I'll tell you anything. You understand? I know that stuff. I, I feel sufficient in, in that stuff. So the thing is, in the situations where I know I don't have it, when the situations when I know I'm not the answer, when I know I can't do it, I find those situations very, very threatening to my sense of contentment. I am uncontent. But in those situations when I feel like I'm in control, in the situations when I know I've got this in my sleep, I find contentment. 
So what's Paul talking about when he says, I've learned the secret? Again, I remind you, you learn things that you weren't born knowing. Paul was paying attention to his life in Christ, and he learned what he calls the secret. It's contentment that's based on this simple fact. I can do everything to Christ. So you see, it's, it's, it's not about the situation. It's not, not about whether he's in a situation where he feels like he knows the answer up front. It's not a situation where he knows he can do it because he's trained his body to endure the pain. No, no, no. Paul's confidence is not in any way in himself. Paul's not saying, I've learned, I've trained myself. No, 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 no. The only thing Paul has learned is that no matter what situation he is in, Christ will be sufficient. And Christ will supply everything he needs. Do you understand? So, just a couple of things here. Paul isn't telling you to dream bigger dreams. Somebody told Joel Osteen. He's telling you to dream bigger dreams. I can do all things through Christ. I just need to aim high. You know, um, Paul's not telling you to dream bigger dreams. He's reminding you that you can endure the crushing feeling of defeat when your dreams die. Have you ever had your dreams die? I don't care what Joel Osteen says. There are dreams in your life that you may literally have to bear. You don't get all of your dreams fulfilled. That's not what Christ promises. But he promises that you will have hope and a reason to live even when you suffer the crushing, crushing feeling of dreams that die. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? It's so important. Paul isn't encouraging you to go out and conquer the world. That's not what he's saying. You can do it. You can do all things. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul isn't encouraging you to go out and conquer the world. He's reminding you to press on when the world conquers you. You press on when the world conquers you. I can do all things through Christ. So Dr. Hendricks just sat down, you know, Times Square, and I'm with the, you know, octogenarian diabetic man who's just sat down on me and says, I can't do it. His life first had been in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things to Christ. And he said, Mr. Harris, uh, with age and weakness, that verse has a deeper meaning for me now. What's it mean, Dr. Hendricks? And he said, I've learned that what the scripture is saying is, I can do all things that I can do through Christ who gives me strength. I said, Dr. Hendricks, it sounds like to me that you're putting limits on Christ. I can do all things that I can do. It, it, it sounds like you're limiting Christ. And Dr. Hendricks said, Mr. Harris, you don't understand the Scripture. I am limited.
I am limited. Christ is not limited. That's why I need Christ. This one smart old man, you know it? You're limited. You can't do everything. You're not going to have all your dreams fulfilled. You may never be a swimsuit model or a professional golfer. You may not have all the children that you dreamed of having. There are lots and lots of things that you may never do. You are limited and I am too. So I love how Paul wraps it up. Paul says, at this moment I have all I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus, or sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Verse 19. And the same God who takes care of me, the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. I love that. Paul just says, the same Jesus that's taking care of me, that, that strengthens me in every circumstance, the same God who's never left me, never abandoned me, never forsaken me, the same God who makes me able to live with that crushing feeling when dreams die, the same God who makes me able to press on when the world conquers me, the same God who provides for me, he'll do the same for you. That's what Paul says. He's going to do the same for you. Out of the supply of his glorious riches, <laughs> he's not limited. He's not limited. You are limited. And it's very, very important that you recognize that you are limited. Because as long as you think that you're not limited, as long as you think that you got all the strength that you need, as long as you think that you can climb to new heights, as long as you think that you'll reach all of your dreams, as long as you think that you have it all, you'll never, ever learn to depend upon Christ. My God, the God who supplies all of my needs, he'll do the very same thing for you out of the abundance of his riches that he gives us in Christ Jesus. It's, it's maybe your favorite verse. It's definitely one of the verses that a lot of people misquote and, and misunderstand and, and miss altogether. The point of this verse is not that you can do all things. It's not a mantra for personal conquest. It's a reminder that you are limited. Christ is not limited. That's why you need Jesus in every circumstance. Pray with me. Lord, we love to think that we are unlimited, that we have all of this potential hidden in us.
that if we just think positively, we somehow repeat the right mantra, that we'll be able to do anything that we imagine ourselves doing. God help us. Lord, it is true that we can do everything that you want us to do. We can do all things that you want us to do, Lord, because you will make it completely possible for us to do everything that you're calling us to do, Lord. But the fact remains, you're not calling me to do everything I dream of doing, everything that I would like to do. That's not what this relationship is built upon. Lord, remind us that we are limited. But remind us, Lord God, that the source of our lives is not our own power, our own strength, our own abilities. Lord, remind us that our dreams are not big enough, that our imaginations are not grand enough, that the obstacles we face, Lord, are nothing to you. And Lord God, the destiny that we have is beyond anything we could ever ask for or imagine. But Lord, our source is you. Our strength is found in you. And in you, Lord, we can find our contentment. Some of us, Lord, are overwhelmed. Some of us, Lord, are so defeated, so depressed, so afraid, so tired, so weary, so ready to give up. Teach us, Lord God, to recognize how limited we are so that we can begin to realize what an unlimited Savior you are. Give us your great strength, Lord Jesus, that we might do all the things that you would have us to do. We pray these things in your matchless, unlimited, powerful name. Amen.